is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Yeah. So <laughs> good morning and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Happy Sunday, everyone. Happy Sunday. Of course, this is the show where we talk about politics, social issues, foreign policy, reality TV sometimes, and, only on special occasions. And Hennessy. From a millennial perspective. Yes, Stanley <laughs> is the one who talks about Hennessy and whatever else he has been drinking I want to compliment you on your nails, but if I do and Marilyn hears that, she's going to be mad at me because I never noticed her nails. But you notice my pink nails. You're okay. still going to get yelled at now just for that comment. Right, like, you're... S- anyways, Stanley. You're blowing so, up your own You're spot. your own worst enemy, Or Stanley. stepping on your own you-know-what. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so my name is Selena Hill, and on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me at Miss Selena Hill, and I spell Miss... With an MS, as you guys already know. Because she's fancy. Right. Well, not really. Well, I'm not fancy, but that's the reason. And I am Alyssa Fuchs, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs with an I, or the fan page, Politically Preposterous. We're broadcasting live there also on Facebook, so long as our internet connection stays stable, which we hope it will. Um, And you can also find me on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, that's I-L-Y-S-S-A, or at Poll Preposterous on Twitter, which is the Politically Preposterous Twitter account. And I am glad to be with you this Sunday. And I am Jackie Cohen, and I am tired, you guys. I was out well, way past. That? It's all my fault, but <laughs> I, I was out. Fun. I had too much fun last night. I was out way past my bedtime. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, at 1230, I'm going to leave this party. And then I look at my phone, and it's 2 in the morning. Why was oh I God, not invited yeah. to this party? Um... Good question. So you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Jackie Cohen. That's J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. And no you can cares, follow my Instagram story where I posted a picture of a Beyonce candle, apparently. Or you can check night. her out on New York One where she or makes you can check me out. appearances. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Or in the New York Times. That. That too. Oh, she's she's guys, Google 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 where else can you find me? <laughs> what, what other Google. media? Jackie's stars? just so fancy. That's what it is. Right. Yeah, no. All right, all right, all right. Cut she's fancier Hennessy than today. you, Stanley. There was nobody fancier than me, by the way. If you, you look pretty fancy today. I am pretty fancy, aren't I? I look like a Negro flower. You look like, great. Like <laughs> is that a new term? Yes, you cannot repeat the term, though, because I got a couple of my, my black pack on the Facebook Live today. So, guys, this is Stanley Fritz, your favorite engineer on the PC ones and twos. Why do I say ones and twos? Because one mic here, two mics here. You can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz, where I get the littest and the quickest tweets out all the time. Or you can follow me on Facebook, where I start race wars. And sometimes, when a race war isn't big enough, I'll start an even bigger race war. You can follow me there on Stanley Fritz. And if I add you, please don't try to tell me you want to reach out to me about some financial opportunities. I don't care about your pyramid scheme. You can also <laughs> talk to me on the Instagram. Whilst, what do I do on Instagram? Barely um, anything. You don't po- post you stunt, too often. Stunting on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I don't really post on Instagram, but sometimes I do, and when I do, it is Littington lit. You can find it's me there right. at Stan Fritz. Jackie Cohen is a hater and looks like a light skin chessboard, but you can follow me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle, where I snap that all the time, except when I'm not snapping, which is 23 hours out of the day. But when I do snap, you get to see my bike trails because I no am no no. The like last time that. you tried to do that, you I. Saw you with a broken foot. Stop Snapchatting while you ride your bike. No, no, I wasn't riding the bike. I was, we, Marilyn and I went to go biking. We biked to George Washington Bridge, got okay. off of the bikes, and then I took a picture of the water. Yeah, you oh better have God. gotten off that bike. Maybe this Wait, is, is this before or after you got your tires stolen? No, I rented a bike, rented a bike. Can we <laughs> have, like, can I record a PSA for WHCR that's like, <laughs> do not 
snap and ride. <laughs> Alyssa needs to take note of that as well because she uses her phone while riding <sighs> as well. No, you know, that's not true because I do it while I'm stopped at lights because I actually stop at red lights for the red light on a bicycle Guys, while everybody else rides through that. I rode right. a bike in New York City for the first time yesterday. Without I rode a, a city bike in <laughs> without a helmet See? In, tis, tis. in Brooklyn for 10 minutes. I cried. The whole time. That is called being white on a Saturday. <laughs> I was just about to that's say. pretty much all that happens in Brooklyn now. When that's I was like the whitest thing bike. I've ever heard. No, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that. I don't think it's that white. When I was growing up in Brooklyn, you wasn't riding a bike on the street because somebody might knock you off. Now you go to Brooklyn, you see white people wobbling on silly bikes all up and down the street. Wait, my well, favorite thing about that was when we did the fake summonsing thing and we stopped some woman who was riding her bike on the sidewalk in Park Slope and we were like, here is an informational packet that looks like a summons um, and that if you were like of a different race or lived in a different neighborhood you might actually be getting a real summons right now and her response to it was but this is park slope <laughs> which right. is like the Ew. white most white privileged response i've ever heard in my life so all right enough with the white ba- bashing, no shout guys. out to <laughs> uh the white what? Bashing. this is no, not white we bashing. Do. <laughs> this is calling out of white privilege okay, yes. okay well that's what we call Selena, it now if you want to protect mayonnaise and no season chicken twitter you can do that on your own time <laughs> by the way for the people listening and watching on facebook live don't worry the mess is coming we will be talking about black china and rob kardashian i know that's why we have like 15 people on my facebook live right now you guys don't care about politics you care about the tea and we <laughs> shall spill it throughout <laughs> right so we are going to talk about rob kardashian and black china revenge porn and what this really says about black women and our bodies so there's a lot to unpack there later on in the show we will be talking about north korea north korea and Karita? sorry the u.s that's the person i did her nails <laughs> oh, oh yo oh, that's oh, racist bashing today yeah so we're talking about the missile crisis in north korea um donald trump and basically um if this may potentially lead to war uh, lastly, Alyssa will be giving us a quickie on the freedom of the press. Why? Because the press has been under attack ever since Donald Trump figured out how to use Twitter. So, And now that he's president, he always attacks the press. He calls CNN fake news and tries to beat them up in videos that go viral. So there's a lot to talk about there. On that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're starting the show off with a conversation about Black China, Rob Kardashian, and why we should all love dumb strippers. WHCR 94.3 FM, New York. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Let me just be very clear. Calling someone a shipper is offensive. They are not shippers. They are interpretive dancers. They interpret. Interpretive dance? Yes. Oh. Can you throw it in the circle, Jackie? It's an art I, form. I, I literally, think, I cannot. Exactly. It's, you know, the, it's like a sport, too. Like, people take, like, spend. Pole dancing classes. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of money on them. I know people that do it, and it, it's it, awesome. It I builds know, upper body strength. It's awesome. I know queens. I really want to do it. I know queens who were born with the power of the mid-waist and the body twist. They don't need classes. Bro. I don't even know what that meant, Stanley. <laughs> That's because you can't throw it in a circle. I can't throw it in a circle. I have oh, seen Selena. Oh, my God. We're going to have a fight about this now. <laughs> I can't Wait, throw Last it in a week, Stanley said that Selena did not know enough about hip-hop, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and I that think we were all at Selena's birthday party. I know. Selena. Selena came oh, that's true. That's you true. There. Oh, right. So you because it. you kept saying you were coming and then didn't show up. Because my girlfriend threw it in a circle and had too much to drink. <laughs> I remember. 
Well, anyway. Selena. Anyway. We want to tell, say a little bit louder how you can throw it in a circle so your pastor can hear us. <laughs> what, are On you? this Sunday morning. Anyway, are you Praise church God, shaming beloved. me? That's right, beloved. <laughs> I don't even know what to even call that. All right, guys. Don't so you know she go to church on Wednesday? <laughs> right. There I is. love you, Lord. All right. Thank you, Stanley. <laughs> and I don't throw it in a circle in public. She throws it in a circle oh, for the mean? Lord. It's a club. <laughs> no. Anyway, guys. Hold, before you start, Selena, can I tell you in college, when people used to make it rain at the parties and Selena would go on the floor and pick up the money. Of and course. one time I stepped on her foot because she was crawling around grabbing up dollar bills. I love you, Selena. I mean, I love you so much. why not take home money? Like, yeah. anyway. So, anyway, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz, Jackie Cohen, and Alyssa Fuchs. And everyone, and I mean everyone, is talking about the ongoing saga between Rob Kardashian and Black China, who is the mother of his child. And shout out to Black China because she's been getting shout outs in different songs by different hip hop artists like Nicki Minaj and that song, Yeah, I Love Them Strippers, for a while now. So I'll give you some more background information on who she is in case you haven't been following her or just now we're like okay who is a who's black china so black china she's a model an entrepreneur and a former stripper who rose to prominence when she started dating the rapper tiger and became friends with kim kardashian now this was around 2014 when kim and black china used to take pictures of their butts and put it on instagram that's how you know their friendship was real <laughs> okay so then black china she was dating uh tiger Tiger started dating little a toddler. No, Kim Kardashian's oh, little sister little when she was child. about like a minor. When she was about 16, 17. Yes, he was dating a minor because yes. he's a pervert. Absolutely. Ew. Because he's a rapist. Right. No. And he's disgusting, right? Well, that Absolutely. plays into the rape culture thing we'll talk about later no, on. No, no, he's a disgusting rapist, but okay, go ahead. No, no, Stanley. I mean, it's, you know, it's true. I just want to make sure that people know that Tiger is a disgusting rapist child predator person that dated a 16-year-old girl because he can't get adult women to like him because he's a pervert and disgusting and should be in well, prison. But left, no big deal. He left Black China, who's the mother of his child. He left an adult wow. woman for a child. Right, that's wow. exactly what he did. And But we digress. Yes, but we digress. So obviously, after that happened, um, Black China's friendship with Kim Kardashian became strained for obvious reasons because she took the side of her family, which is, you know, something that I don't think was and too surprising. And condone child raping. I think the whole family did. Yes, the I whole think, family condoned child family. raping. And the thing is, Black Kylie Jenner and Tyga didn't come out public until she was 18. So on her 18th birthday, that's when they decided to share their relationship Aye. with the world. Uh, nonetheless, Black China was mad. And what she did was, you, you know, she posted a lot of things on Instagram mocking Kylie Jenner and the fact like Kylie Jenner was basically appropriating black women's body parts, like with the, the lip suction, the lip uh, in injections that she got. And then like she got some other work on her body regardless. And like Black China definitely made a mockery of it. And then what people said, people, a lot of people believe that Black China got back at Kylie Jenner and the whole Kardashian clan by hooking up with Rob Kardashian, the only male in the Kardashian-Jenner clan. So they got to, they hooked up. They were dating for three months. They became engaged. Black China got pregnant, and she just had a baby named Dream Kardashian, who was a cute little girl. She's, uh, I think she's not even one years old yet. So 
the reason why we're talking about them today on Let Your Voice Be Heard is because apparently Rob Kardashian has been accusing Black China of cheating on him. He's very unhappy. And what he did last week is he went on a tirade where he started posting nude pictures of Black China on Instagram, uh, slut shaming her, putting up her uh, different intimate body parts, uh, calling her a bad mother, saying that she uses drugs, alcohol. He just did a full out character assessment nation of the mother of his child now in response the internet went off and not necessarily in a good way um and we're gonna talk about that but before we get to public reaction um I just want to let everybody know this was definitely harassment. It was definitely cyberbullying. And Black China initially responded with on Snapchat accusing Rob Kardashian of uh, abusing her. So apparently this isn't the only form of abuse that he's allegedly been accused of. He's she said that he beat he beat her up as well. So and that he's and she also accused him of cheating on her a number of times. And in one of the videos that Rob Kardashian put up of Black China, she's kissing another guy. And that is what um, it, it looks like sparked his his rant and why he went on a rampage. But the thing is, what Rob Kardashian may have done may actually be illegal. Both Black China and Rob Kardashian live in California, and mm. according to California's law, Penal Code 647, uh, this is revenge porn. And revenge porn is defined as intentionally disturbing an image, uh, distributing an image of an intimate body part of another identical person knowing that said distribution would cause that person serious emotional stress. That's all it takes. Sharing, sharing a picture of your uh, partner's body part, that's illegal, guys. So before we well, you have delve, to do it with intent. With intent. Thank you, Alyssa. So before we delve into uh, exactly what this means, rape culture, slut shaming, I want to start this conversation by talking about the public's reaction. Now, although Rob launched a vicious attack against China that highlighted a number of stereotypes, too, I want to point out, against women and black women, he basically accused her of being a gold digger, the Internet kind of implied that China deserved it. And one person that kind of did this was Snoop Dogg. So he said he released a video. And he said this about um, Rob Kardashian. I quote, he knew what he was getting into when he got her. She is what it is. Dot, dot, dot. Go buy yourself another one. (sighs) So when I saw this reaction Mm. from Snoop Dogg, automatically I'm thinking, okay, number one, what he's doing is he's referring to her past life as a stripper. And he's saying that it doesn't matter that you're leaking nudes of her because with our, our profession at one point, she used to, you know, put her body out there all the time. And, you know, this is also something that's commonly used when it comes to, like, sex workers or so. Like, if a sex worker is raped, a lot of people say, like, right. well, what do they do for a living regardless? So what type of public reaction did you guys see following um, the release of these pictures? I mean, I basically I saw a lot. It, both in favor of Rob Kardashian and Black China, really? right? Yeah, um, but I think I wasn't surprised. I was, I guess, dismayed at the reaction that you, that Snoop Dogg, and that other people had online, which was like, "Oh, well, she was a stripper, so she was already sort of doing that anyway, and so like, what's the big deal?" And like, the big deal is consent. I don't think it's that fine of a line. I think it's a pretty broad line. If you're 
consenting to something and agreeing to doing it, that's one thing. If you're not and somebody's using it and leveraging it against you, it's wrong. And so what happened here was wrong. And I, I was really dismayed, but not surprised given the culture of our society that people reacted in that way. Right. I mean, listen, I would agree with that. I think consent really is the important thing here. But another thing that I just wanted to add is like, I'm so sick of this kind of culture where wherever a woman does something and takes control of her own body and her own sexuality, that all of a sudden, if she's the victim of some crime or which is, you know, people automatically discount that experience because of the fact that, you know, she may have been a stripper or she may have been a hooker. Like, listen, you know what? For hundreds of years, men have been able to do whatever they want with their bodies without people demeaning them or characterizing them as victims if they are a victim of a crime, where women constantly get this um, body shaming or victim shaming and trying and victim blaming yeah. um, based on their, their profession or a past profession. Like, when are we going to get to a point in a society, both in general and here in America specifically, where women can take control of their own bodies and their own sexualities without men and other women, frankly, telling them, oh, like they shouldn't be considered a victim because they decided to be at the forefront of their own sexuality. Like as a woman, you should be able to take control of your body. You should be able to make decisions and sex positive decisions about what you want to do and who you want to sleep with without people constantly victim blaming you. Stanley? I'm going to give you guys two responses. The Twitter response, which I don't think you guys traffic in, enough of my Twitter circles to, to know and the group chat response because I feel like those are the mm. two pieces. Everybody has a fire group chat. I definitely have a fire group chat with some of my closest guy friends. So I'll start with the Twitter because I mentioned that first. On black Twitter, Rob Kardashian's a loser and everyone's sitting there because they like the drama. They, they like the mess. It was seven hours of mess. That's people's entire work shift. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. like, it was, people were just enjoying the mess, but overall, people thought that Rob Kardashian was A, loser, and then B, yeah, this was, this was Black China's plan the whole time to fleece him. There was literally a long-form essay wrote in BuzzFeed about this, about how Black China got her revenge on the Kardashians for what they did with Tiger. Right. So, that's, that's where Black Twitter was. Now, in the group chat, I'll tell you where it was. Once again, not much surprise. Um, I have a couple of lawyers in my group chat, so there was like a legal argument about whether um, Rob Kardashian can get in trouble for um, revenge porn, but there was not much surprise. Everybody expected Black China to do this. Now, what I will say in both sides of those conversations, group chat and Twitter, there was heavy undertones of slut shaming. Mm. And what do I mean by that? So we talked about the Snoop comment, but we took it a different way. Strippers are strippers. Just because you're a stripper doesn't mean you also sell sex or you, you, you know, you you get tricked on. What they took it as is that everybody knew Black China was a scammer, and like most of these women out there who come after you for your money, they're looking to skin, they're looking to come up from a lick, and that's what Black China got. So when Snoop said, "Go get another one," go get, get go get you another fine girl who builds her body so she can get a rich guy. That's what he was talking about, which goes into body shaming as well as slut shaming. And it, it, it surprised me just how easily it was to bash Rob Kardashian, but not because of, you know, the revenge porn or the slut shaming or even just abusing Black China verbally online, but because of him failing certain, like, stereotypical man standards. Of, like, right, for emotion, not being, right. For- sh- showing emotion about a woman breaking your heart or crying. Or, Yikes. like, because, oh, you were committed to one person? That was really surprising as well. Yeah. So then they were mad that he was committed to one person? Committed to one person, showing emotion over a woman, and they didn't, they didn't even count Black China as a woman because she stripped. Or it sounds like people were, like, against him because he, like, should have known better kind of, right. kind of mentality, yeah. which is still problematic. 
Right. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to add is people also act like men don't do this, that there aren't men that go out there to get women that make money to have a sugar mama. Right. Because this is also breaks down to the whole patriarchal thing in society where if a woman decides she wants to go after a man for her money, then she's called all these different names. But when a man decides that he wants to go after a woman for her money, he's thought of as what, Stanley? Smart. Right. No, no, in no, some no, circles, actually, in no. some circles. Mary J. Blas hasn't just went through this. He's asking for okay. alimony. He's been dragged from Twitter to Earth. Right. So and, like, and, and I think <laughs> financial exploitation is wrong on both ends. And right. like, honestly, if somebody's a scammer, like we should call them out. Like, I don't feel any like conviction about calling out a, a scammer for being who for being who they are, what they're doing. Guys, if you want to chime into this conversation, feel free to call us up at 212-650-6909. Family and not by his mother, who has exploited every single one of those. I, I mean, that's more life. consent. He said that he married her for well, love. Let's talk about Rob because he's not innocent in this. Because if you look at the way he's framing this relationship, every good thing he did for her was about money. So he's equating his finances to love, and and that's that's abuse in and of itself. Because what he's doing right there is trying to hold dollars over her head, and because I gave her these dollars, she is required to love me. We, yeah, you know, everyone is wrong in this. Everyone is wrong in this, but we really need to dissect the behavior that, that Rob Kardashian has because a lot of men do this. I used to do this. I remember I would go out with a girl and she would reject me. She didn't like me. And I'd be sitting there with my friends over some Hennessy or some beer. And I'd be like, oh, I spent this amount of money at the movies and I spent this amount of money over food. She, I, I'm, I'm owed something. Right. That's abusive. That's dangerous language. That makes it easier for, for like dangerous behavior to happen. That is how you get a culture where people think that rape is not a big deal and that a woman can be asking for it. Right. And we see this happening all the time when like a man buys a woman a drink at the bar and then somehow he feels like he owns her or she owes him something, even though that drink was voluntarily and, given to her. Right. And I think women oftentimes feel the same pressure, right, where they feel like, oh, well, like I want to accept this. But then what do I have to do for it? Right. And there's like that sort of. Um, that guilt that's associated with it, which is really problematic. I mean, even more problematic than that is the women who actually feel like they have to go home with this guy because he bought right, her a drink right. and that not just think like, oh, should I accept this drink or not? Um, but like, I think that plays into the bigger picture issue about rape culture and about our society um, and about the way that we treat women and men to interact. And I guess I just wanted to mention, because I feel like I sort of have a different experience being LGBTQ, that sometimes in some circumstances, um, those lines are a little different because at least with respect to like other women, like it's women dating women. And so, you know, and sometimes there's like not that male element to it. But then if you talk to gay men, they sometimes will say that they feel that kind of pressure um, from other gay men. Um, and so then that raises the question, like, is this an issue with men? Right. It, it, it sounds yeah. like, Stanley, as our only man co-host right now. As the man. As the man co-host and Let Your Voice Be Heard. Mm -hmm. Is this a man's issue? In a man's issue in what way? Meaning that why is it that men always feel like they own a woman when they either spend money on her? Well, it's a system of patriarchy. We should be very clear about that. That creates this perception that a man is supposed to pay for things and a woman is, is supposed to accept. And by paying for things, a man proves that he is equitable and you can invest in him. And to show that you appreciate this, you reward him with sex because sex is not a mutually beneficial thing. It is a reward that a woman must give a man after he invests into them. So in that sense, absolutely, like, yes, it's, it's within the culture and, and it's happening and it's problematic. But... Um, 
like I, it, things are shifting. I guess I don't know. I I mean I'm not sure how much or how fast they're shifting. Um, and I know we'll we'll have to address that when we come back for break. And I also want to talk about more of the racial elements here. I mean, when Jennifer Lawrence's uh, nude pictures were leaked, the internet had quite a different reaction. Um, as as compared to a black China. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about uh black. China, Rob Kardashian, right after this break on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Rob Kardashian sent some pics. He's mad because Black China ain't want it. Mm, bars. Can we talk about the young king that was laid up in Rob Kardashian's bed wearing his robe, but it was Black China's bay? That man is a hero. You called him a young king? Yes. A Why young is he king. a king? Because first of all, he went to something. You know what? That's, I'm not even going to talk about this. This is so popular. No, no, no. But that's Black China's side piece, I heard. Yes, I'm being hyperbolic, obviously. But listen, side pieces matter. <laughs> <laughs> and he God. went from he went from twelve hundred followers to twenty two thousand, yeah. according to Rob Kardashian. So his come up was real. Yes, and shout out to Didi Delgado who posted a picture of her in a similar robe early today on Facebook. Didi, your pettiness has no bounds. Oh my God! All right, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR ninety point three FM, the Voice of Harlem. We started this show off talking about Rob Kardashian's very problematic behavior when it came to slut shaming his ex fiance and mother of his child black china not only that but lisa bloom has is now defending black china nice. and this may be a friend case of the show of, yes a friend of a show lisa bloom has been on our show three times so shout out to lisa bloom shout out to lisa bloom she is now defending black china and this could be a case of revenge porn nice. so we are getting some comments on Facebook, we have Jason A. Johnson who says, saying it's just a man's issue is looking at the percentage of African Americans in jail and saying the black people just have a crime problem without looking deeper into what's happening. That's a very interesting comment that has to do with when I was talking about, before we went on break, I was talking about how um, men seem to think that they own a woman once they start spending money on her. And Jason says, no, it's big than that it's not just a man's issue i want to get to one more comment from grimisha crump she goes i'm past the point of understanding black china aka angela who trusts and angela the who trusts angela these days is looking for is looking a bit opportunistic historically and i don't trust any kardashian or their byproducts not even north <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said she don't even trust north i love it mm-hmm. would look a little shiesty <laughs> Stanley, anyway, we are not going to baby shame. To say that it's not a man's issue, like, I think, I was talking to somebody about this recently, like, when I went to college in 2007, oh, you're giving up your age. Um, Like, you know, like, when I was a freshman in college, they do a lot of freshman, like, workshops about, like, living on your own and, like, you know. Don't get raped. Yeah, (laughs) literally, there were, like, workshops that were, like, women. I remember that. Like, don't get too drunk, don't wear too short of a skirt, don't do this, don't do that. Because basically saying it's inevitable that men are going to do these things and it is up to you. It is your responsibility to prevent it. And if you and so there's a lot of shame that's con- that's attributed to that. Right. Like there's a lot of blame, victim blaming of women saying, well, you know, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have behaved that way. 
blah 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 and i think that's bs at the end of the day smoky the bear you guys yeah <laughs> i mean i don't understand why we're teaching women to not wear provocative clothing and not drink so much and instead not just teaching men don't rape well i think it's it's i don't think that it's appropriate to say women it's your responsibility to make sure that a man doesn't rape you i think it's important to have education as a whole right but i think that it's extremely important to be focusing on men when we're saying you know don't do these things don't exploit women's bodies don't you know, touch them or have sex with them without consent, right? Like, you need to do better. Right, and don't take those pictures that she may have sent you um, privately and put them and on the internet. Put, no, them don't the grab internet her by the you-know-what. Right, so, say. no. One question. So when Rob Kardashian puts out the Flat Tummy Tea album, I cannot buy that, right? Stanley, you if you want a flat tummy like the Car- first of all, the Kardashians uh, support and endorse the Flat Tummy Tea all the time. No, that, that's that's his next album. He said he's going to put out an album oh like Lemonade, but it's going to be called Flat Tummy <laughs> Tea. Anyway, guys. So before we went on break, I wanted to br- I, I uh, tease bringing up the racial element here because it wasn't too long ago when the internet or uh, hackers leaked a number of nude pictures of white women, white celebrities like Jennifer. For Lawrence, and we remember how society reacted. You know, some people were like, "Oh, this is like such a blessing," but other people were like, "You know, uh, it's horrible that this woman, um, white woman, is being treated like this, and she deserves a level of protection." Now, Black China, who obviously is a black woman, uh, I, we don't see that same type of reaction. And I and I know that I know her her past comes into play here but let's remember when those nude photos of other black actresses like uh, Jill Scott, Gabrielle Union and Leslie Jones Jones, were leaked uh, people were far less outraged when they saw naked pictures of black women as composed to white women. I mean, listen, people are far le- more outraged now that white people are using heroin than the heroin crisis that was going on in the black community forever. I mean, this is not surprising to me that there's this level of privilege that we have in this country that gets translated even into something like this. Whenever something affects the white community, it's outrageous. Whenever the same thing affects the black community, it takes forever to get people to pay attention to it. I mean, we literally have been having a crisis regarding the war on drugs that's been affecting black people forever. In fact, our commenter pointed that out when he said we have plenty of black men that are currently in jail, most of them serving sentences for low-level drug offenses. And yet now that white people are having these issues, it's a problem. So, I mean, I think this just plays into the larger racial issues that we have in this country. No, absolutely. And just to keep the topic on the perception of black women versus white women, a new study came out that shows that Black girls are viewed by adults as less innocent and as more wow. uh, as 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 more like adults. And the study also shows that um, there was a lot of uh, research. They said that uh, these adults that answered these survey questions also said that these little black girls deserved less nurturing and less protection oh than white girls, even at the age of five years old. So basically. It's basically this study just proved, again, that implicit bias is real. But the thing is, the reason why this is so damaging is because if you look at a little five year old black girl as in as being older, number one, and as needing less protection, then this is the reason why black girls are suspended two times the rate as their white counterpeers in school. And it's also the reason why little black girls or black teenagers or black women are less likely to uh to fight the criminal justice system more than likely if she has a trial she's going to be prosecuted and she's going to be indicted and probably convicted it's also why black girls are tackled by the police at pool parties in texas right 
No, in, but in bikinis. And right, exactly. Jeez. So you're not really telling me anything that I didn't know. I don't think you're telling anyone in this room or even those listening on Facebook Live anything that they did not already know. I, I think that the, the piece that we need to get here, and, and I guess where it correlates to black China, is that we do not value black women. And I, I think that is the biggest problem. But now the question is why? Because you're right, when Jennifer Lawrence had all those photos of hers leaked and all those other women had those photos of themselves leaked, the only people you heard noise about was Jennifer Lawrence, even though Gabrielle Union had her photos leaked, even though I think Jennifer Lopez had her photos leaked, you only saw Jennifer Lawrence and Scarlett Johansson and maybe a handful of other people. So we had to ask ourselves a question, why? And while we're figuring that out, guys, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. I mean, listen, I'll try and answer that question the best way I can, which is, you know, we value women less than we value men in this country. And we value black people less than we value white people in this country. And so when you put those two together, you have a situation where black women became become the least valued people in America. And then when you actually start to add religion into that, a black Muslim woman is probably the least valued woman in America compared to a black Christian woman, um, you know, in that perspective. So, I mean, that's just a, that's part of the issues that we're trying to deal with here in America and the way people are classified and the fact that, you know, we shouldn't value men over women in America. We shouldn't value white people over black people in America. We shouldn't value Christians over Muslims. But I think that I also... I don't, I, I you want to disagree slightly? Yeah, I do want to disagree with that only because I think that like... I guess by larger society, but because black Muslim women, especially if they wear the hijab, like they're seen as like very respectable because they don't look like black China. I they think you're projecting actually, Selena. Yeah, I do. I yeah. disagree. And also, we're not talking about black trans women. Who, right. There's been 22 black trans women killed already this summer. Just this summer. So like we should talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about undervaluing black women. But what does that look like now with black China? That's my question. How does that undervaluing come into play with her? Well, I mean, we see it like basically the Internet is saying that she deserved this. We saw this coming. Um, You know, there's not too many people running to her defense. And I think that even if other women are running to her defense, you kind of feel like you're you don't want to be associated with that brand or that type of women. Because women are still classified as the Madonnas and the virgins. I forgot. What is it? The Madonnas and the. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but, but but I know oh, the whore. Like, there's the like, horse, Madonna right. or the whore, right? Like, I, I, but Madonna I think it's was an important whore. distinction. Or you know, getting back to the earlier point about like this is just a man's issue. I think that women also are quick to not, and this is because of internalized um, sexism, right? Like, I think a lot of women are quick to say, "Well, I would never be caught doing that," right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would never. That would never happen to me because I'm in control of myself and I'm in control. I wouldn't let that happen to me. Um, which is a product, unfortunately, of internalized sexism. And you see that all the time that women, you know, might rush to the defense of the perpetrator in this in this case. Right. To say, well, you know, maybe she shouldn't have done this. Right. And like laying out the ways that like they are different, um, which is really sad. Right. Because I think that, you know, this is like a really high profile incident. But I think that this is something that can happen to anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, like so many people share pictures of themselves. It's 2017. I mean, you hear about about people doing this kind of thing all the time. Um, you hear about men who record video of women that they're with um, that the woman doesn't know about it and then post it and use it as revenge later on. Like This is something that, while it's so high profile and involves two celebrities, is something that could happen to anybody. And so I think that we need to be a little 
more aware of that when we're, you know, picking a side here. Yeah, and it's two times it happened to a friend of mine whose name I won't mention, but also it happened to a comedian, Jess Hilarious, just last week. Wow. Where the person created a profile on Instagram just to leak their nudes. Ugh. This is common. This happens. What do you expect when we literally are living in a country where our own president, the person who was elected by the majority of people living in electoral college states that elect the president, um, decided that a man who literally said, I'll grab her by the you know what, because I'm rich, so that means I can do whatever I want. I mean, there is a trickle down rape culture effect here. When you see men catcalling women on the street, when you see the perpetuation of the idea that she deserved it and the victim blaming culture, this comes from the top. When our very president, when our very elected officials uh, play into rape culture and think it's okay to just grab a woman by her wherever and then get they, elected and then get elected that, then right. you want then like that trickles down to the rest of us in society moral of the story white people are crazy but we do have a comment come from josette bailey she says well why even take nude pictures and put them up on a cloud you're asking for trouble she well knows. you know I, i'm really glad that we did get that comment guys you guys can continue to leave comments on our facebook live or call us up 212-650-6903 and you know and and I have the my answer to that question is the same answer I would give to someone who was robbed or a victim of credit card scamming. It's basically victim blaming, because if you tell somebody who was just robbed or raped, uh, why were you walking outside after 11 p.m.? That's not that person's fault. Just because I have a credit card and I become a victim of credit card scamming, you never put that onus on me. You would never hear somebody say, well, you shouldn't use a credit right. card because you know how risky it is on the Internet nowadays. And then that same lane, we cannot continue to blame women for being the victims of their own sexual harassment and abuse. But and guys, I know we are wrapping up this conversation. But before we do, I want to also talk more about revenge porn. Um, again, this is a law that was passed in 2013 in California. It's only in 38 states now. The question I have is, are revenge porn laws even effective? Because, you know, as Jackie brought up, this is a high-profile case. But what's being shown here is Rob Kardashian is almost getting away with using revenge porn tactics to get back at his ex-fiance. And I feel like that's the message that's being spread here. Right. I mean, whether or not it's effective, that really is something that I can't answer without looking at the statistics. But I can speak generally about the way that laws work, which is generally when we pass a law, um, we want to do it for two re- two major reasons. One, deterrence, um, both specific deterrence and general deterrence. Specific deterrence, meaning deterring the person who's committing the crime from committing the same crime again. And general deterrence, meaning generally deterring p- people in society from committing the crime. And we also want to punish the person for having committed the crime. Um, So without seeing the numbers coming out of California or coming out of these 38 states as to how many people reoffend or to whether or not the amount of rape porn convictions have has dropped significantly over the past couple of years. I cannot say for sure whether these laws are, are definitely effective. Um, but what I will say is we shouldn't look at a ho- high profile case to determine whether or not they're effective. What we really need to do is look at um, the lower number of cases and see how many people have been prosecuted, how many of those people have reoffended. Um, and also we have to look at the punishment because if there's not, we don't want right. there to be an overly harsh punishment for this kind of thing. But if there's not a sufficiently harsh punishment, then it's more likely that 
somebody will commit the crime again. Well, I'm so, so glad that you did bring up that punishment because, frankly, first-time offenders usually get a slap on a wrist and have to pay a $1,000 fine. And we know $1,000 for Rob Kardashian is absolutely For Rob nothing. Kardashian, that's nothing. That's not nothing for the average person. Well, that's the point that I want to make is that even if these laws, like, go, you know, are seen as quote-unquote effective, like, I think that they're going to be disproportionate based on offenders who are black versus d- offenders who are white. And we got a great comment from uh, Katrina who said, you know, all politics aside, people didn't feel bad for Black China because her naked photos were leaked by a privileged white man who is a public figure and also very po- uh, public modern-day rich privileged white family and not only that but he has a sob story that was presented to america by his family and white men always get a pass when they have a sob story which i think is true and i think Mm -hmm. that you know he's a privileged rich white man i don't think that the law is going to come down hard on him here and i don't think that it's going to for you know privileged white men when they offend no absolutely as usual meanwhile the kardashians are getting rich off of the bodies of black women by appropriating them? By appropriating yeah. them, by literally imitating them. Yeah. No, th- that's a great point here. So I know we do have to wrap up, but before we do, I just want to ask the panel, like, you know, what lessons can and should be learned here when it comes to uh, Ro- Rob Kardashian, Black China? I mean, I think that, and getting to, we had a comment before about, you know, like, why even take the risk of putting these pictures on the cloud? Like, we take risks as people, right? We take risks every single day when we walk out the front door and assume, hope that nothing bad happens to us, right? Like, if I am sitting on the subway like I was this morning and my eyes start to close, I'm taking a risk there that, like, somebody's not going to, like, take my bag out of my hands or, like, do something terrible to me, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if somebody does something bad to me, they did something, I, you know, I wasn't asking for it, right? I can do things to protect myself, but at the end of the day, wh- who's worse, right? The person that... Um, you know, put themselves in a vulnerable position or maybe not, maybe had something taken of them that they weren't even aware and didn't even consent to or the person that committed the crime or, you know, committed the offense. Like, I think that we are placing the wrong burden um, or we're placing the burden on the wrong individuals here. Right. And I mean, listen, I would agree with what Jackie said. And I'll also just add, like, I think the biggest way to solve this issue is to have a societal shift as a culture. Like we need to be discussing, especially as millennials here, um, about how we can convince our friends, our colleagues um, that these things are not OK. And especially um, as women to raise your voice and to say, listen, these things aren't OK. And women should be empowered to do what they want with their bodies to have sexual empowerment, to sleep who they want to sleep with without worrying about the fact that they may get raped or somebody may leak their their pictures on the internet. Um, and the only way I think we're really going to solve this issue is to have a societal shift. And the way we need to have that societal shift is like one, by having conversations like this and two, um, by people like Stanley speaking to their male friends who engage in sometimes in in this behavior and I will say more feminized women women I'm sorry men who are feminists having this conversation with their male friends and saying dude this is not okay Stanley before you give your final thoughts also I want to see if you can interject did, does hip hop have any role to play in this culture of rape culture that we that we currently have that continues to slut shame women like black china Hip hop is a byproduct of patriarchy, which comes from the 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 main culture, which is white culture. So, I mean, hip hop plays a role, but the main culture is white culture, and white culture and the culture of capitalism is patriarchal. So that's pop culture has a role to play. Period. Yeah, like so, like I don't think it'd be makes sense to put it just on hip hop. What I will do though, and what I will say, picking up on where Alyssa left off, is. Um, so all the gentlemen listening to the show right now, whether you're listening live or you're listening on podcast, close your eyes for a second. 
Now imagine your mother or your sister or a close female friend got into an argument with a guy and then he leaked a bunch of pictures of her online. And now her boss has seen it, her new spouse has seen it, her friends and family has seen it, and she's embarrassed and she doesn't know what to do and the pictures are getting shared and she can't stop it. Imagine how that makes you feel. Probably not too good. Now think about this for a second. Why does it take it having to be someone so close to you for you to imagine that? Because no matter who it is, they're going to have those same feelings and they're going to have a lot of those same reactions. Stop just like just plain up. Don't don't leak people's pictures. Stop slut shaming women. Stop bashing women. Stop attacking women for being them and getting mad at them for doing the same things that we do. And if you have a friend who, who wants to do something like that, wants to leak someone else's photos or call someone a slut because she's not into him or, or be sexually violent to someone, you need to call them out. Because if the, the minute you don't do it, the next time it might be your mother or your sister or your cousin, your, your girlfriend, your wife or your close female spouse. It's up to us and no one else. Well said. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Stanley, for being a... Um aligning yourself with the feminist movement and just women's issues here as a man and just taking that perspective. I know it was a long time coming, but like we all can evolve and I, I all can evolve. And I think that even if you aren't the person that watches celebrity uh, reality TV shows and engage with celebrity gossip, there's definitely a lesson here that we can all learn. And it matters when and how a woman's sexuality is being used against her. It matters when and how a woman is being sh- uh, slut shamed. And it matters if she is a victim of revenge porn. I mean, there are a number of women who were victims themselves. And what usually happens is their ex fiance, husband, or boyfriend will take those pictures and sometimes they'll send it to their bosses, they'll send mm-hmm. it to their colleagues. And because we are ingrained in a culture that continually looks down on women uh, and, and calls them promiscuous if they even take these type of photos, it affects everyone else. So a lot, a lot, like, so let's say you are in that office. I'm not, uh, if you know your colleagues have seen you naked, a lot of times they're not going to take your side. They're going to take the side of the of the abuser and say like you shouldn't even have took that in the first place and that ruins your reputation like automatically and how are you going to face your co-workers how are you going to continue to work in an environment where everyone deems you as a slut i mean it, it's something that's hard and it's something that we all play a role in because if even if you shared those pictures even if you retweeted and pictures of black china i mean you're engaging in revenge porn and you're engaging also in rape culture. And I think Mm -hmm. that we also, we definitely need to take introspective looks in how we interact and view women, no matter if, uh, no matter if a woman's being slut shamed, no matter if that woman happens to be our sister, our mother, or a woman like Black China. And like Tupac says, if we all came from a woman, we got our name from a woman, dot, 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 why do we take from our women? Why do we rape our women? Why do we hate our women? That's a question. Why do we hate our women? All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're delving right into the news roundup right here. Let your voice be heard. I tried to put one in the air. I tried to dance it away. 
Look if you book right nook if you book right nook if you nook if you nook if you I said oh what up y'all That's clearly yeah. the new edition of that song study. they took that beat and they made that juju on that beat Nope nope I don't, res- I, don't I don't respect young Lil Yachty Twitter I respect old man Twitter Look <laughs> if you book that is a song So you're no we, man That's right we are back <laughs> on let your voice be heard on 90.3 FM WHCR the voice of Harlem If you were just tuning in we finished a conversation about Black China and Rob Kardashian and how Rob Kardashian got so butthurt that Black China didn't want him that he actually leaked pictures of Black China's butt. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It is. And we want to say that that is sexist and we don't support it, obviously. If you are watching on Facebook Live, what up, Zandri? Thanks for calling in. And also, um, Katrina, thank you for calling in as well. But if you are listening on Facebook Live, we are at the News Roundup where we talk about our favorite news stories. <laughs> things that made us laugh, cry, curse, leak pictures of Stanley flexing and muscle on Twitter, or even just shake our heads. And this week in the News Roundup, we have plenty of stories for you. And the first story that I want to bring up, because this story just happens to grind my gears, is a new report has said that Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort, of course, three members of Trump's family and staff, met with a Russian banker two weeks after he won the primary election. Yes, And guess what Trump has said about it? Nothing. But his son, his son who was at that meeting says, oh, we were just talking about a program that they had where they adopted Russian children and they stopped doing it. So we were thinking about maybe doing it. So I told Jared and Paul to come over and say hi. Okay. That is. Yes. Why do we take anything that any of them say seriously? No. Like at all? Like, no. I. I What? What? That's just, okay. I think we've gotten to the point now where the Trump administration can pretty much do whatever they want. I think they have hit peak whiteness. And, like, if you don't know what peak whiteness means, it means do what you want and have zero accountability. Because there's no accountability right. for anything. Nothing. None. Destroy the healthcare system? No accountability. Steal money? No accountability. The chair of the ethics committee just resigned six months <laughs> before his term is over after he said that Donald Trump was not being... a appropriately ethical and the trump administration came after him he resigned who says anything nobody the chair of the u.s census resigned two months ago why because republicans were not giving enough support to the program so they can do a a good job so everyone in the country can be counted and represented who's held accountable no one he went to he went to the g20 summit pretty much was anti-social met with every other leader for 20 minutes met with russia for over two hours doesn't want to talk about it. His staff says he's just, he does brilliantly. No one knows if he's telling the truth. He's probably lying. Is he held accountable? No. Well, Peak whiteness. He tried to hold Vladimir Putin accountable. He asked Selena, him. Selena, stop no, it. No, We're no, not, no. not going to engage he asked, here. He asked him. He hold was, on, quote, hold quote, on. And then he hold accepted on, what he said. He, quote, he quote, asked quote. Him. Can we just put... No, 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 no. Let no, me no, finish. No. We, Selena, yes, can we just no, put... No, in no. heavy quotes... He asked him because Trump is a known liar. I refuse to acknowledge that as a truth on his station. Absolutely. We are not so Fox. So he looks him in the eye Quotes. and said, Vladimir Putin, did you hack the election? Vladimir Putin said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, said and done. <laughs> right, that's, exactly. Like, that's that half the problem. in court, Alyssa? You yeah, you go, know. did you do this? And they go, nope. And you go, all right, case closed. Yeah, case closed, dismissed. We're throwing it <laughs> yeah, out. Right. Especially if you're a black man. We're not sending you to jail at all. Absolutely. I mean, but listen, I mean, like, are you surprised? Like, this is his, like, f- best friend. He loves to sit on his lap and see what pops up. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I will say this. It was nice of Putin to let Trump clean his mouth off before he came out for the open press conference. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really good that we have, you know, Mother Russia is treating um, their JV team very nicely. I'm just really upset about But my favorite country. part of the whole summit was, um, you know, aside from, well, I actually had a lot of parts of the summit I liked, but apparently, like, one of the women snubbed Donald. Like, she went to go shake this woman's hand, and the woman was just like, nah. And, like, he totally got snubbed by her and then had to go shake somebody else's hand. And also, all of the other countries, which is 19 other countries that were at this summit, recommitted to the Paris Treaty and recommitted to reducing emissions and combating climate change. And it made the United States look really stupid, for one, but also, like, economically. Because we didn't look stupid before. Yeah. (laughs) But economically, it's going to have a huge impact because as all these countries go forward and start developing clean technology and clean energy technology, the United States is going to get left behind and we're not going to get all those clean energy jobs. And so that's going to have an impact on our economy. So um, obviously this is bigger than this. Um, There was also some blowback towards Bill de Blasio because he went to give a speech at the summit um, and people were mad because they said like he left the city when a police officer got killed. But he was like, but her funeral's not till Tuesday. So like I'm going to be back in the city by then. Um, And, like, to me, that's just, like, more fake outrage. I mean, there's plenty of things to be... There's plenty of things to be outraged at Bill de Blasio about. I don't really have a feeling about him attending the G20 summit either way. But I do think that, right, like, you're right. Like, people love to hate on Bill de Blasio. Sometimes warned, very warned. There is one news story regarding that I did want to mention before we move on, which is, so, the hypocrisy. So, you wouldn't really have something to be mad about de Blasio. There's sort of a hypocrisy to this. So, he goes to Hamburg, Germany to give this speech and to engage with these protesters in what he calls his protecting our First Amendment freedom, including Mm -hmm. the freedom to protest. And that's why he's there. And while he's there, he calls into Brian Lehrer's radio show, which he does often. Every week. And then says that he wishes we could outlaw panhandling, which the reason why panhandling cannot be outlawed is because it is your First Amendment right to ask somebody else for money. Um, So it like there's sort of a level of hypocrisy there with Bill de Blasio literally saying, I'm there protesting to show that I have First Amendment rights. But then on the other hand, saying we should outlaw this First Amendment protected speech. He's been saying stuff lately that I'm like, you were like the liberal progressive candidate in 2013. No, in 2013, people, he was like, yeah, he was. People were like calling him Conrad. We uh, loved him. Conrad de Blasio. Like he was this like liberal bastion of hope for the city in this post Bloomberg era. And like, he's been saying stuff. He said something about like people jumping turnstiles because they're having a bad day or just because they feel like it. Like he has totally sold out his left leftist base I think so I will remain neutral this is why I am voting for Bob Ganji in the primary oh okay wow well definitely we're gonna have to be I following that there. and if you don't know who Bob Ganji is this is my time to tell you you should check out the webpage or you should google Bob Ganji for mayor and listen to his platform and especially the things about uh, criminal justice reform and racial justice and as the primary gets a little closer maybe we can see about getting him on the air wasn't he the executive director of prop yes as well I yes. didn't even know he was he is running for mayor and he's hoping to be on the ballot and like I said hopefully we can speak to him maybe he wants to come on our show at some point so I just want to shout out one of my sisters in the movement for justice Tamika Maori who is having a bit of a proxy war with the National Rifle Association Mm -hmm. so in case you guys don't know the National Rifle Association also known as an organization that likes to have sex with their cousins and buy guns for no reason (laughs) put out a video and pretty much no no there's also cousins sleeping with black people too because there's a population of black people that enjoy eating glass and being stupid but anyways 
They put out a video, an RA that is, that pretty much is a war cry against black people and liberals really and progressive. Scary. And it's really scary. They say they use their president to bash our president. They go march and they protest and they burn things down until so they force the cops to, to finally use justice. And when that happens, they go after the cops. We have to attack this. We have to destroy this. The only way we can is with the clenched fist yeah. of the NRA. Yeah. So obviously, because that it's is like propaganda. Like a call for violence, like literally. Yes. I, I thought the Second Amendment was for black people too. No, it's correct not. me on that. I you, mean, Philando Castile. Philando Castile is, yeah. I think, the best example of why it's not. Yeah. So, so Tamika, because she is a boss, she called him out and was like, "That is ridiculous. That Talk is about crazy. A dog whistle. You need to apologize." I mean, you know what the NRA did? They put out another video directly attacking her. No. Personally right. attacking her, Tamika. A two-minute video with some crazy redneck cousin-loving guy personally attacking her, saying, we don't apologize for anything, and we're not afraid of you, and then putting out her personal business. And so Tamika has been getting threats and attacks on social media, Jeez. as well as Linda Sarsour and Carmen Perez, I obviously. was just about to say, Linda Sarsour has been under attack this week because she used a word that apparently the right doesn't understand and actually jihad. used it in There's the real way. Words yeah, right I mean, like, like jihad apology. does not necessarily mean terrorism. In fact, it generally doesn't mean terrorist. Um, it actually means a struggle. And yeah. so she said, this is our struggle against Donald Trump and she used the word but because ignorant racist white people don't seem to understand anything outside of their ignorant racist white people culture um, they automatically assume that she was calling for some kind of terrorist attack when nothing could be farther from the truth um, I know Linda personally um, she is a wonderful person she fights extremely hard for social justice issues and in no way or shape or form was she calling for any type of violent terrorist no. attack no, oh, absolutely not no and speaking of uh, Tamika Maori you know she's one of the leading forces um, as for in Black Lives Matter, and it turns out that a police officer uh, who was wounded, wounded in the shooting rampage in Louisiana last year, he is now suing the Black Lives Matter movement itself, including DeRay McKesson and other four Black Lives Matter. DeRay McKesson isn't in Black Lives Matter. Well, he's being sued. He's, he's named as a oh defendant, as well as other leaders, and uh, this officer is seeking out $75,000 in damages. This lawsuit was actually filed on the one-year anniversary of when a um, mentally deranged ex-army uh, veteran uh, shot five police officers in Dallas. So Deray McKesson, who was not in Black Lives Matter... Yes, he is, was named as a defendant. ...is being sued. So... <laughs> And who else is being the sued? The case is going to get oh, dismissed. Yeah. Like, or other Black Lives Matter. Me- no, 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 no. So, like, we clear, it's clear that Dwayne McKesson is not in Black Lives Matter organization. So, like, this, those four other people probably aren't in it either. And this guy is a stupid white guy who his cousin broke up with him and he can't find his core's light. So now he's and mad. And he's like, oh, he said he was wounded. He was wounded in a shooting So, so he's got to sh- sue the people that wounded, wounded him. him. There's, yeah. there's such a concept at law called causation, which means you have to be able to prove that, but for, you know, essentially there's two types of causation. I won't get into like it's called but for causation and then there's also proximate cause but the fact is you have to be able to prove that your injuries was essentially caused by these people's actions and there cannot be necessarily an intervening event which essentially means if you were shot by some deranged person who may have shouted Black Lives Matter when they shot you you have to sue that person you can't necessarily sue a bunch of activists who are part or as Stanley points out not a part of Black Lives Matter because what we would call 
call that as law is it's too attenuated to prove that they were the cause of your injuries. And so I don't just don't see that lawsuit going anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I think just think it's propaganda is what it comes it down is. to. I think and it's a movement s- is not an organization. So you'd have to sue, sue the organization. And Doreen McKesson is not a part of that organization. I think it was more symbolic, something to get press coverage. Right, and it's I think, propaganda. Yeah, and I think that because the right feels... I wouldn't even say so threatened because the right feels so threatened and, a, and a lot. Yeah, and I think that they're saying, well, like the reason why they made that NRR video, that NRA. NRA video, and the reason why he, they're trying to sue Black Lives Matter, um, is because they're just trying to fight back in some shape or form. Well, let me explain to you exactly what's happening here. First of all, the knuckle dragging cousin sleeping with white people who are mad about this and who perpetuate this racism and patriarchy and sexism have been using it to make sure that they can pile on more money on top of more money. And when you start to break down these barriers and attack racism and attack and attack patriarchy and attack sexism you are messing with their bottom line the nra doesn't give a damn about black people it gives a damn about money because the more people that are buying money the more money they can have thank you buying guns you can't buy money but you can't if you you know anyways (laughs) more people buying guns the more money the nra has this is all about money and these stupid racist backwards knuckle-dragging savages are using these things to perpetuate that so when they get more money and we're fighting they're rich and they don't care so basically what they're using is fear tactics they're using fear tactics to uh to to raise more money and that's something that the gop as a party have been doing for decades now and it works yeah it works uh i'm gonna switch gears for a second i know we have like an only a minute or two left but i wanted to bring up an important story um while we're keeping with our theme of calling people out uh so there's a new report out that shows that um after fleeing persecution u.s christian refugees are now facing deportation um and that is because um so i should give you some context in order to apply for asylum here um there's two ways to do it you can either go to an office outside like an embassy and try to apply that way or you can try to you can actually physically come to the United States cross the border illegally and then declare that you want to apply for asylum or refugee status once you're here Um, I won't get into the complexities of immigration law but basically what's going on now is you have a whole bunch of Christian refugees that have come here um, from Uh, you know, countries in the Middle East where they're a minority and in some cases have crossed the border illegally to get here and then apply for asylum. And now they are facing deportation by the Trump administration because of the Trump administration's crackdown on refugees. So I just wanted to remind the Trump-loving Christians, although I'm sure none of them are listening to our show, although I wish they were, that the real war on Christianity is actually being perpetrated by Donald Trump and by the Trump administration through these strict immigration laws um, and not by Starbucks changing the image on your cup every December. No, you know what, Alyssa, that's a great point about how uh, Donald Trump and, you know, the Muslim ban, the travel ban, and just his war against Muslims and also on immigrants is now affecting people that I think hits a little closer to home when it comes to the religious right. So great point made there. Um, On that note, we do have to take another break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be talking about the U.S. and North Korea missile crisis right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Real jigger, rich jigger, po jigger, house jigger, feel jigger. Still jigger. My name isn't still jigger. Only WHCR. I like that second Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we are back, back right now on Let Your Voice Be Heard, only on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. But then again, it's not only when you can also listen to it on podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, 
But Spotify. you can only hear us live on the real radio if you're tuning into WHCR 90.3 mm, FM. Way to clean it up, my white queen. And, and speaking <laughs> of people listening live, shout out to all the people who are leaving comments yeah. in real time on Facebook. We appreciate you for watching us on our Facebook Live. We see those comments. Unfortunately, we can't get to them all, but we appreciate your engagement. We definitely do. We like it when people listen to the show and actually watch it. It makes us feel like we're not just talking to ourselves, which I'm pretty good at talking to myself because that's the only person that listens to me. But I think the rest of us (laughs) are used to getting some kind of information. So once again, guys, thank you very, very much for listening to the show. And now we are switching gears, guys. We are switching gears all the way to the left. We are talking about North Korea and what is happening. Are you confused? You should be because a lot has happened throughout this week and it wasn't just Donald Trump starting problems. Here is a very basic rundown. So North Korea has gotten an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of hitting Alaska at minimum. That's a U.S. state, guys, in case you forgot, because Sarah Palin could see Russia from you know her backyard in Alaska. <laughs> the, the ballistic missile can hit Alaska. And in result, 45, because I don't want to say his name, and the White House are now considering options for how to respond. Are you nervous? You should be. It makes me very nervous because while it's highly unlikely North Korea will try to attack us first, they could they could absolutely bomb South Korea, Japan, or both of them. And guess what we have in South Korea and in Japan? We have U.S. troops and also those are big allies of ours. And North Korea has been very aggressive toward them. So now... Because of all these things happening, U.S. allies in the region have been watching this thing and been very nervous because while we usually have a president in the office who can do things and think critically and be smart and make responsible decisions, we now have an orange man. Or, as YouTube likes to call him, a pile of dirty laundry with eyeballs. He is in office, and because of this, they are very afraid, and there have been increased demands for nuclear shelters and radiation-blocking air purifiers. What the heck is actually happening right now, Mm. guys? That's what they're asking for. And, in response, South Korea, along with the U.S., it was a remix, put together a military exercise where they had jets fly over North Korea just to let them know we about that action. (laughs) And now, everyone is kind of sitting on the edge of their seat wondering if we are going to have a conflict with North Korea. But if you're like me, you're probably wondering, how do we ever even get into beef with North Korea? Let's think about this. North Korea is a small country in between China and Japan. It used to be united with South Korea. It is not. We'll get to that later. They have about 25 million people there, but pretty much the entire country is in poverty. They don't have a lot of money. We don't trade with them. Their two friends are China and Russia, and those are kind of frenemies because China is only really friends with them so that America can't have U.S. troops there. But we're beefing with them. Well, the answer is pretty interesting and it's pretty simple as well. Communism. That's literally why we have beef with them. Because a long, long time ago, at around 1948, there was a time where North Korea was invading South Korea in order to expand communism. So, of course, America came over and decided to help South Korea fight that war. And when the war was over, even though it never actually officially ended, America continued to support South Korea, giving them money, leaving troops there, and pretty much helping that country sustain. North Korea, on the other hand, had friends in China and Russia, who we know at one point had lots of money and lots of power. And then at another point, it just completely fell off the map, particularly when Russia, the, when the walls went down in Russia and they pretty much just lost their communist nation. So when that happened in combination with a bunch of droughts and famines that happened in North Korea, North Korea just kind of went down and down and down in power. 
Now, the interesting thing during that time period of 1948 to about 1991, when the Soviet Union pretty much crashed, there was a man in power in North Korea. And I'm forgetting his name right now, so please forgive me. I will make sure we get the name out for you later. But he was the first Un. It was run by the Kim family, and he was the first Kim who took power. And he pushed out this propaganda information that made him seem like the father of the country. And he was so great, and he was so amazing. And they were making North Korea a socialist utopia. And for a while, that made a lot of sense. And so he started losing money and food. When he died in 1991, King Jong-un and King Jong-un II, they both tried to pretty much follow in those same footsteps because the country, or so they believe, had been brainwashed by that. And in order to make sure they keep that power structure, what do they have to do? They have to keep on putting out propaganda. They have to keep on acting aggressively towards anyone who questions that power. And they have to keep on finding ways to build power. Therein comes the United States of America, who usually doesn't care about a country that isn't affecting their pockets unless, of course, they have an unstable leader who has a bone to pick with them and has nuclear weapons. North Korea has been trying since at least the 80s to get a nuclear weapon, which puts them in direct contention with the United States of America. And the U.S. and every leader who's been president of the U.S. has been fighting with them to make sure they don't get it. They tried sanctions. They tried conversations. Bill Clinton sent rice and $3 billion. It didn't work. George Bush called them the access to evil. Barack Obama put more sanctions. And now Donald Trump is putting more sanctions. And the goal of it is to stop them. And at one point in 2005, it looked like it would happen when they had six different countries working with them. But North Korea fell through. Now we've reached a point that everyone has feared. They have nuclear weapons. And in five years, they'll have weapons that can go far enough to hit the U.S. mainland. And this is the space that we're in. So in this conversation, what we are going to be talking about is, A, we, we got the origins here. What is the U.S. next step? Why is North Korea so hell-bent on attacking us when we, can't, we haven't really done much to them recently? Why isn't China helping us? And also, what do we feel about this? So having given you guys all this information, guys, let's just start with the basics. They have this weapon here. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you found out North Korea had nuclear weapons? Alyssa? I mean, listen, I, the, I should say, one, the first thing that went through my mind is, like, it didn't really surprise me. This is a group of people that have been trying to get a nuclear weapon for a long time, and they've been doing so in quite the similar way that the United States did it, which was by trial and error. Mm-hmm. Every time um, they have something, a test that doesn't go the way they plan. They learn from it and they get better at it. Uh, And that's actually exactly how the Manhattan Project went here in America, which is the first few hundred times that the United States tried to test these nuclear warheads they were building. They didn't work. But every single time they ran a test, they learned from it until eventually they were able to perfect it. Um, The other issue was them having nuclear weapons just on their own um, wasn't so much of a concern. I mean, it's obviously always a concern to the United States when any other country has nuclear weapons because Ever since the United States, you know, the only country to ever drop a nuclear weapon, sorry, two nuclear weapons, um, ever uh, decided that we didn't want to have them anymore and have been trying to reduce the amount of nuclear weapons that are proliferated, we've just decided that nobody else is allowed to have them. Um, But the real concern came with the launch of this intercontinental ballistic missile, as Stanley points out, because that doesn't just give them the nuclear weapon. It gives them the capability to put a nuclear warhead onto a missile that can be launched halfway across the world and potentially, as you point out, strike U.S. targets. Um, I just wanted to clarify two things that you said, one being they were socialist country or communist country, but not the kind of democratic socialism that 
the left has been trying to get here, like the social democratic stuff. We're talking about like a fully controlled society that is essentially bordering on a dictatorship, which they still have. Um, And obviously, a lot of these things didn't work because their leader is crazy and the leader before him was (laughs) crazy. And it's really hard to negotiate with a megalomaniac or somebody who's nuts, as we're seeing here, because our own own so-called president is nuts. Jackie? Yeah, no, it's I mean, what were my what was my first reaction to them having weapons or I mean, they've been like Alyssa said, they've been trying to develop these weapons for years. I mean, my first reaction was like, uh oh, you know, like they've been testing and we've seen these failed tests. And I think the media has been sort of like, oh, LOL, like they tried to launch a rocket to the West Coast and it didn't work. And so this is, you know, the first time that we've been really seeing their their progression and developing their arsenal, I guess. So um, I think we should be very worried. I mean, I like you mentioned in your intro, I think that we're not necessarily the primary target, but we certainly may be one, right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason why we wouldn't be. And I'm sure uh, North Korea is very content and having us feel like, at, you know, at any moment we could be under threat. Um, So it's very scary. And I don't, you know, sort of what Alyssa alluded to, I don't necessarily trust the 45th to handle this in a diplomatic appropriate way. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, I just want to say that, you know, you guys are absolutely right. And in fact, back in 2011, Bob Gates, when he was secretary of defense, he actually warned that um, North Korea was building what was called a road mobile ICM, ICBM. um, And they were taking this route. However, that is different from a miniature nuclear warhead, which Correct. which um, which the dictator Kim is actually was has been bragging about having this technology for years now. He actually even took a photo with one. So it's like basically like he's trying to in his rise to power and like world domination. He's basically saying, like, look what we have. And it's funny because Stanley mentioned how this country is in poverty, but they have so much money to invest in nuclear weapons mm-hmm. and missiles. And it's like, why are they uh, putting all their money here but- rather than in the country? I mean, he's basically walking around saying, look at my big, you know what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is very a lot of phallicism there. I want to talk to you guys about King Jong-un II and Donald Trump. Do you guys see any similarities? Oh, oh yeah. yes. So, yeah, rich, spoiled brats that became leaders of their country. I yeah. Yes, we're talking about <laughs> Whose daddies, s- like, put them into power. Who, who yeah. used propaganda to control the press, which I'm going to talk about later on during the next no, segment. No, I see, I see no, no similarities. <laughs> So I want to dig a little deeper. I think you guys just dug the whole grape up, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But let's really think about this because we're so worried about North Korea having nuclear weapons. We have the largest nuclear arsenal in the world, and Donald Trump is our president. Mm. Right. Well, that's why this whole thing is so concerning, which is because if we decide that we're going to go to war with these people, you know, we're back in this sort of weird situation that we were in when this whole situation started. As you pointed out, this was sort of a proxy war, um, a proxy of the Cold War uh, between the United States, which was a capitalist country and Russia, which was a communist country at the time. Um, And that sort of still exists. And so there then becomes this question. There used to be a concept called mutually assured destruction, Mm -hmm. which is the reason we did not drop a bomb on Russia, I mean a nuclear bomb on Russia, is because we knew they would drop one back on us and that everybody would be mutually destroyed. And that actually deterred us from dropping a bomb and it deterred them from dropping the bomb. The problem is when you have two crazy people um, holding these offices, which, uh, you know, which is basically what we have, we don't know whether they're going to understand that if they drop a bomb on us and we drop a bomb back, then that's going to go back and forth and that's going to put us all at risk. But then there's a second level to this, which 
is one, our relationship with China um, and in trying to trade with them um, and them being literally the only country that North Korea talks to and having to rely on them to communicate with North Koreans because other than Dennis Rodman, nobody in this country actually does communicate with the North Koreans. Um, and then the secondly, that the South Koreans are one of our biggest allies. Um, and the city of Seoul actually, which is an enormously populated city that's big like the city of New York is, and it sits within range of North Korea and within range of their missiles and their weapons. And so then there becomes this second issue, which is if Donald Trump... Uh, provokes the North. They may not necessarily attack us, but they may use conventional weapons. They don't even need to use nuclear weapons. They have enough conventional weapons that they could literally wipe out a large population of the city of Seoul in like just a couple of hours. And then that also becomes a problem for us. So we have to remember, it's not just our safety and security here. We're also talking about the safety and security of one of our greatest allies. So what do we do, Selena? I mean... I thought that you brought up a great point. The fact that we have a president who is so mentally unstable in some instances and has so much pride and ego and is so which is extremely fragile. And it's like anything that's anything that's said that hurts his feelings, he gets upset about and he wants to show how big and powerful he is. And it is very it is something that's very scary. I would say, like, if we could take a democratic approach, I think that that would be uh, the best possible solution here. I remember uh, President. President Obama warned President Trump about North Korea. Mm -hmm. He told him that North Korea is going to be one of the biggest problems you are going to face. And it's like Donald Trump didn't take heed to that warning and is now making things worse. To be fair, people have said that it's partially Barack Obama's fault for not doing enough. So what do you guys think about that? What, what more could he have done? Well, I mean, I don't know. I'd I like, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, so when Dennis Rodman was watching basketball games with um, King, I mean, uh, Kim, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, are you guys saying maybe we should send some diplomats there as well to watch the games with them? He would have killed them. You think that's going to work? You are wrong. I'm well, sorry. Maybe it will work. Maybe it will bomb North Korea and that'll stop them. Uh... I highly doubt it. Exactly. Sorry, Alyssa? Right. I mean, listen, here comes the other question that I'm going to throw at you guys, and it's a hard question to answer, which is one of the ways in which they said that we can put pressure on them is essentially to starve them out. And so basically they get all their food and their a lot of their imports from other, you know, from outside of there, mostly through China. Um, and so part of the idea was been, well, what happens if, like, so basically if we cut all that out and then their population starts starving to death, then essentially that ends up starving their military everybody right and so there's been this idea floated that we could literally starve them out that at some point they will not they will want to be able to feed their people people will be so hungry they will be so desperate um and their military will be so hungry and so desperate that he's going to have to force some kind of change to open up the country. Now, that has raised certain people, especially people on the left, to say that creates a humanitarian problem, mm -hmm. which is, is it fair to starve, literally starve out civilians? Other people have said, you know, listen, there's also human rights abuses going on um, already, and these people are already being abused by their own government um, and their own, this, this dictator. Um, is it also fair for us to engage in action that may have an impact, but also is not necessarily humanitarian sound and that's a really really hard question to answer and it seems like we're going to get to that question after a quick break yeah when we come back from this break we'll definitely tackle that question because that's a big one to tackle all in a minute and 16 seconds we'll be right back guys
We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and of course, Jackie Checkerboard Shirt Cohen. That's right. She's got a checkerboard shirt on. If you are just tuning in, we have been talking about the crisis in North Korea. Well, I guess it's not a crisis just yet, but they have nuclear weapons and they're ready to get popping. And we know that Donald Trump is ready to share that same energy because he is unstable. And right before we left off, we were thinking of non-violent ways that we could address North Korea and Alyssa mentioned an argument that's been getting an idea that's been getting bounced around where we pretty much just like cut them off from their food supply and other supplies and let them go into famine so people start starving to death and it kind of like forces the you know it forces King Jong-un to come to the table and whether we think that's an idea that's worth thinking about we tried it in Iraq during the Bush yeah for the first Bush and the Clinton administration it didn't work I also don't think I don't think it's going to work I think that the people already are living under dire conditions yeah. there and yeah. I don't think the leadership gives a crap about the people of North Korea yeah. right and so I don't think that added pressure is going to set it make them you know make Kim Jong-un say oh okay you know, people are really suffering. Maybe I should be more reasonable, right? Because he already doesn't care. Yeah, and I'm just not willing to co-sign on starving innocent people to death. Yes, that's yeah. just not something that I can sleep, like I'm going to sleep with. And I know that that's not what you were saying. But, but no, I was just putting it out there yeah. as an argument. I mean, I think this is part of the hardest problem about how to solve this, which is we don't want to engage them militarily because we know how easily they can strike Seoul and potentially even us. We have tried to engage them diplomatically um, numerous times, but that hasn't worked. Um, and and so this is where it becomes a real problem, which is literally every way that we problem solve, which is really there's two ways we problem solve in the world. One is through diplomacy. The other is through war. And neither one of these two things seem to be good solutions. Diplomacy isn't working. War has lots of issues and becomes very problematic. I mean, well, all the time, but especially in this situation. And so then it becomes, what do we do? Well, speaking of war, and I want to throw this question to Selena, actually, well, is... We, why, why don't we try the same thing we tried we did in Iraq with overthrowing Saddam, overthrowing King Jong? Well, I wanted to answer that question and to piggyback off what Alyssa was saying about solutions and what we do. And I think one of the solutions that we should take a hard look at is really talking to some of North Korea's biggest allies. Russia so, and China. Russia. Russia and China. And I think oh, that right, because they're best buddies now. Right. And I think that because like we know Russia has been funding a lot of the technical advances that North Korea has been doing, if we can put our foot put our on their back and tell them to stop funding the country in that way then that may stop them from making um, as much progress when it comes to missiles and nuclear weapons. If this were Obama I'd be willing to listen but you're you're ignoring the reality on the ground if you make that suggestion because right now we're pretty much... No I'm saying that's a solution. It's it's not a viable solution. We're Russia's lapdog. Don't, like this, we're not going to well, do China, that. And we could also we could also back China into a corner. And now as that's well. a good thing to, to to talk about. But now here's why we won't back China into a corner. And that one I, I, I want to acknowledge. One, if say we overthrow King Jong Un and we get some friendly leadership in there for America, that means America can put their troops there. Say China and Russia absolutely do not want more American troops in that in that area because then it undermines or even hurts their ability to do some of the things that they're doing. Two, China is up to a lot of shady stuff over there in that region, and because North Korea is so ridiculous, they take up all the attention, kind of the way that Donald Trump takes away attention from the fact that there are about to be 23 million people without affordable health insurance. So if you do that and you do those two things, now all of a sudden there's no proxy stopping all the attention being paid to China, and all of a sudden America has a new leg of power in a region that they're still struggling to get into. 
Jackie? Right. I also think that to just put in a new leader and get rid of the old is, I mean, we're we're talking about a country that's notorious for its propaganda machine. So we don't know truly how well it works and how, you know, and how many people really buy it. I mean, they act like they do from what we've seen, but we don't have a lot of intel into the culture inside North Korea and how much people are buying into this propaganda machine. But if they are, I mean, I think that makes it really difficult to just replace this leader with an entirely new regime and have the people follow and not, you know, uprise. Right. So one of the things that's been going on a lot is people in South Korea are doing their best to send Western music, Western movies and uh, Western books and all kinds of, um, you know, Western type uh art and music and stuff like that over the border. And because they say that the number one way that this dam is going to break is to infiltrate the North Koreans with everything else on the outside world that they have been missing out on. And once they get a taste of it and they realize that they have been in the propaganda bubble for so long, and of course, for some people, they're never going to buy it, mm-hmm. right? They've been in the propaganda bubble for far too long that nothing else, everything else is is fake, essentially, um, which is a real issue and something I'm going to talk about in the next segment, sort of. Um, But, you know, they said that the best way to solve this problem is that if you open up the culture to westernized culture, then and people start getting a taste of what the outside world is about, they're going to want more of that. When people want more of that, you could end up having an internal civil revolt um, or civil war, and that could end up um, unseating uh, Kim Jong-un. So that's a really interesting theory. Then my question for all of you is what piece of pop culture and Western culture would get people, you know, wanting more my answer is beyonce ah that's funny i mean anything that uh sort of embraces and celebrates freedom right freedom of the press freedom of speech freedom to criticize your leader um obviously if they got hold of the internet and how people interact on social media and how we constantly call out trump that might influence them to uh want the same things but right, right now it's a way of life and i feel like the older people they would probably see that as a threat so, from what I understand, the propaganda, the strength of the, of the propaganda is not as strong as it used to be. That's Not true. granted. Right. We don't have 100% accurate information because this is coming from people who've been there, um, not necessarily from intelligence, but it's between, but people who come from North Korea say it's probably at around 20 to, to maybe 50% of the people are still like kind of like falling for the propaganda, which is still a lot. But since the 90s, where pretty much famine and drought has killed their food supply, where people are only allowed two meals a day, in exclamation points, that's what the science says. A lot of people just don't believe in the government anymore. They're just trying to live. And to Selena's point, I'm sure that there are older people and older generations that are buying into it. But it's never old people that are fighting revolutions, right? Right. It's always young. It's always the youth, right? So, I mean, even if they are buying into it, I don't think that matters too much. Because to me, that's, I think, the best way to solve this problem, which is, you know what? If the war doesn't isn't going to work and diplomacy is not going to work and we're not okay with, you know, engaging in things that we believe would create a worse humanitarian crisis than there already is then the real thing is like then you know maybe we need to be air dropping Beyonce CDs uh, from B-52s or something along that line you know because like I honestly feel like that's really where the change is going to come like it's going to end up coming from within when people are exposed to um, the rest of the culture and to answer your question if I could you know drop something 
uh, out of a plane there. I mean, I think it would be comedy, um, uh, you know, some kind of comedy routine. I don't know who. I can't think of a specific comedian off the top of my head. Drop Amy Schumer there. Um, but, I, you know, like, I definitely think it would be something like that because I think you comedy. You for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Comedy has always spoken volumes about political situations in a way that, you know, other forms of media sometimes can't. No, that that's absolutely true. So, like, the question I have is, will this... And can this potentially lead to war? Like, what are your predictions? Like, if we do get eight years of Trump and we see how Kim Jong-un is moving already and the power that he has amassed in the last couple of years, do you guys see war as a uh, something that is extremely viable? Well, first of all, before we even, I even answer that question about war, you just said eight years of 45. I barely held it together. <laughs> and it's been, it hasn't even been a year yet. Right. No, but think about no, it. No, I will not know because we'll get kicked off this station for me cursing yeah. and crying at I the mean, same time. You, uh, that just assumes that he's going to be reelected right, and we don't even years. know that. Okay. So, so the next three Or that he'll make it to four years without this being impeached. The potential for war, let's talk about that. Because of the people we have in a White House who are a combination of incompetent and narcissistic, there's always a chance for war. But it might just be a war with the sun or a war with Chipotle because that's just how ridiculous that they are. Um, there's definitely going to be some conflict there. I don't know how far it'll go because China has too much at stake there and Russia is also as well. And now that those are North Korea's only two allies, I don't see Trump going that far because there's no way he's going to offend Papa. <laughs> well, he said that there's going to be success there in North Korea one way or another. He said that he was going to give people coverage, the best kind of coverage, and make sure everyone had a doctor. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean anything. He says right. he, li- he says, he's a liar. He says Nothing things. he says means anything. Right. Um, I think if you've ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, watch the episode The Gang Solves the North Korean Crisis, and that is how this will all play out. I haven't seen it. Because they are equally as able to handle this as our current administration, I'm sure. That See, we're solving down. North Korea right here, guys. Yeah. The gang solves North Korea. They do. So yeah. you guys think war? No, I think it's totally possible. I mean, I am very nervous about what's happening, and I do not trust our current administration to handle it appropriately. I'm sure Donald Trump's strategy is, oh, like, put Jared Kushner on it. Like, Jared's got it. What he'll do you think he'll figure it out. Just, let's, look, we have seriously. a little bit of time left. So let, let's really sit down and just talk about, like, this administration and their ability or inability to lead effectively. The foreign policy agencies that we have in this country are pretty much under or not staffed at all since he's been in the White House. There's no clear strategy on anything. If North Korea, I see some hands flying up now, if North Korea drops a bomb on Alaska and Sarah Palin's backyard gets messed up, do you, what what do we do, Jackie? I mean, my like biggest fear is that Donald Trump in his desire to win, right? Because we know that he, even if he doesn't like being president, he loves winning and he wants to win campaigns. And a week after his inauguration started on his like 2020 campaign, right? And like held a rally in the South. So my fear is that Donald Trump will be willing to let bad things happen if it creates a sense of fear and desperation in this country that ultimately leads him to... Oh, like the Bush administration did. Right. And I don't know what that entails or what that would look like, but that is my greatest fear, that he will let bad things happen so that he can rush it and look like the hero. And I mean, like, you're absolutely right. Look at the country and the way that it's sort of united out of fear after 9-11, right? And not to say... I'm not saying, like, Bush did it, like, you know, 
Yeah. What, you know, we can have that conversation it's another time. To have but I do that. think that like it lends itself to a situation where, you know, people out of fear align themselves behind the Trump administration in ways that they're not doing now. And so that and I think that he knows that. I actually I would agree with Jackie. I mean, I, I think my answer is twofold. Number one, I feel like to answer your question, Stanley, if a bomb dropped on on uh, Alaska, I think that Donald Trump would very quickly um, and without much forethought or, you know, basically decide that he needed to project Maquis and he would drop a bomb also. And I think that would lead to right. a very, very sticky situation um, with lots and lots of lives being lost, especially in South Korea and of our South Korean allies and potentially even here. Um, and I think it would make a bad situation worse. Um, as for whether or not I think Donald Trump has the ability to negotiate this situation, I don't know. But I do agree with Jackie that I think the more he can play this up, um, I think the better it bodes for him in terms of re-election and that's also a scary prospect mm, that yeah. he would hesitate to solve this problem in a diplomatic fashion to keep people scared yeah. so that he could win another term and that's definitely a concern it shouldn't be because you know in a functioning democracy the president shouldn't be thinking to keep the people scared and to potentially put them in harm's way in order to win re-election but you know we're not living Did in a Did you miss the 2004 election? Yeah exactly Right exactly. I mean, and that's I think obviously there's no election but I think there's like you know Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump in that sort of sense of keeping people oppressed and scared is there are two sides of the same coin right no and I think that's an excellent point to make I just wanted to add so today Defense Secretary Ash Carter he uh, is making former, media rounds former, yeah. oh excuse me former he's making media rounds he said that not only is the U.S. prepared for any type of missile crisis or strike, he says we're actually one step ahead. He says we've personally been working at this since 1953, and he uh, personally has been at it since 1974. So he's like, basically, North Korea, try us. We're one step ahead. And I think that uh, whether or not w how much we believe this is true or not, I think that it's a message that's being spread now to sort of back North Korea up a little bit to let them know, like, if you want to play this game, we'll play it. Too. And it could be everyone's bluffing, but that's basically the message. Just to close this out, what Selena just said to us is that a sociopath is trying to play chicken with another sociopath. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing about playing chicken with a sociopath is that they don't know that they're playing chicken. They're just being a sociopath. So while you keep on trying to outscare somebody else, they'll keep trying to outscare you until we get to a point where we're all nothing but ashes. I'm not really interested in finding out what happens if Trump ups the, ups the ante and then Kim, and, and Kim ups the ante as well. We don't need that. North Korea doesn't need that. America doesn't need that. So with that being said, guys, I'm not interested in going to war. I want to hear a song that makes me feel good. And maybe people in North Korea will hear it too. This is freedom. What North Korea needs and what America wants. WHCR. 94.3 FM, New York. And we are back, and I'm actually going to talk about one of those freedoms, namely the freedom of the press. Um, but before I specifically get there, let me tell you a little bit about what happened last week. Uh, so last week, Donald Trump published a video that was made by somebody on Reddit's alt-right um, or some white supremacist. And this was a video that showed him body slamming CNN, uh, CNN being the news network or cable news network, which is what CNN stands for. Now, the origin of this video is back when Donald Trump was 
a celebrity, um, and before he became the so-called president, he had once wrestled Vince McMahon, who is the head of the WWE now, although at the time it was WWF. Um, and so somebody just altered this video to make it look like he was body slamming CNN, which is a news organization. So I'm not really sure how you body slam a news yeah. organization anyway. Um, but I guess it was really the rhetorical and propaganda aspect of it. Um, this also comes at a time where Donald Trump has constantly been attacking journalists. Um, we all remember the Morning Joe drama that occurred last week where he was treating about, tweeting about Mika and supposedly her having a facelift and, um, you know, going after her personally and attacking um, her fiance, Joe Scarborough. Um, and this also comes at a time where Trump is constantly on Twitter berating the media, calling the media fake news, except for, of course, Fox and Breitbart and the uh, propaganda outlets that say stuff that it makes him look good. Um, and that kind of constant berating of the media and calling them fake uh, can lead to a distrust in our media as an institution um, and also just a distrust in democratic norms, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Um, while this is all going on, all this tweeting and, you know, ridiculous nonsense um, going on on the Internet, which honestly, I think a president should be above. Um, but that's, you know, we're dealing with a, a five year old child president. Um the Trump administration has also made it much harder for the press to get access to certain events. Uh, to They have been holding less press conferences. They have been generally cracking down on the media's access to the administration. And that is very, very concerning, given that we are supposedly living in a free country where we have freedom of the press. Um, so why is freedom of the press so important in the free country? Um, and, you know, I have to really start with the First Amendment. So our First Amendment isn't just about freedom of speech. It's about freedom of speech. It's about freedom of the right to assemble. It's about freedom of religion. Um, and it's also about freedom of the press. And what freedom of the press means, um, a press that is not controlled by the government, a press that can investigate things and make independent reports, and in a lot of cases report on some of the dirty deeds that the government is engaging in and let the people know, the citizens know, what the government is doing in their name so that the people can make informed choices about who to support in elections. Um, it is very very important that we do not have a press that is controlled by the government because when the government controls the press, they essentially tell the press what to print. And that is to say they do not let the press print anything that is looks disfavorable um, upon the government. Now, our founding fathers included this press freedom for good reasons. Uh, they knew that when you did not have a pre press, then that led to government control. And they knew this because at the time when they created and drafted the Constitution, um, they had just literally fought a revolutionary war to break away from the King of England and the Queen of England, who constantly controlled the media and controlled the narrative. And so they wanted to make sure that there was a check and a balance on government, not just through the branches of government itself, but also through the media. Um, historically, we know that dictators and demagogues use control of the press in order to quash dissent. And by killing that kind of dissent, they are able to control democratic means. And that's why you see a guy like King Jong-un get reelected over and over and over again, and why people People love him. And you kind of see the same thing um, in Russia, which is why you see Putin win the election, a supposedly quote unquote democratic election over and over and over again, because Putin controls the media. Um, some of the ways that dem that dictators um, have done this is imprisoning journalists, killing journalists, silencing journalists by not giving them access to the government, which we are already seeing. And they do this, like I said, in order to be able to control the narrative, because they do not want a free press that 
intense negative stories about what the administration are doing. And so by controlling the media um, and having their own media outlet, like you see in Russia with RT, Hate to break it to some of you people who like RT. RT is literally a Russian-controlled propaganda outlet. Um, So that's just using that as an example. But the reason this is done is because it allows Putin and other dictators to shore up control, uh, to control their people, and to control the narrative. Um, As I said, the free press has the ability to investigate and expose the government's dirty deeds. And reporting freely is the keystone to a functioning democracy. Without freedom of the press, only the government can control the narrative. Um, Over the years, trust in our institutions, including the press, have already been declining. Some people have blamed the press for this. And in some cases, the press has made mistakes. But the difference is when the press makes mistakes, they usually in nine out of 10 times. Well, I at least should say real press, not the right wing propaganda outlets and some left wing propaganda outlets, too, because they do exist. um, They publish retractions and they say we were wrong we made a mistake in some cases they filed journal fired the journalist we saw cnn do this um so there is some evidence that the press has caused this problem to themselves but just to loop this all back around this goes back to what we talked about in the first segment which is victim blaming um at the end of the day it's the government attacking the press and specifically the president attacking the press over and over and over again which leads to the downfall of this institution that is very very scary because it leads to a slippery slope when you take away one freedom and or you limit access to one freedom such as freedom of the press the question becomes what access are you going to limit next what rights are you going to take away next the right is constantly complaining that they think that the left is going to take away their right to guns and they are always claiming that they need these guns to protect themselves against tyranny and against and to create to continue to have a free society well i would disagree with them in part and in some ways agree with them in part this is not a conversation about gun control right now this is a conversation about the first amendment when you take away one freedom that leads to a slippery slope when you can take away other freedoms and of course we know in this country when freedoms being our start take our start being taken away that of course affects the most vulnerable populations among us I'm going to end it here, which is to say our founding fathers had some really interesting perspectives about the press and why it was so important. Benjamin Franklin once said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of the press. Samuel Adams once said, there is nothing so fretting and vexatious and nothing so justly terrible to tyrants and their tools and abettors as a free press. And George Washington, hate him or love him uh, or hate him as a slave owner or love him for being the supposed founding founder father of this country, once said the freedom of speech may be taken away and the dumb and silent we me uh, sorry the freedom of speech may be taken away and the dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter which is essentially to say when they take away a free press the government can lead us to our deaths and slaughter us like sheep because we are no longer paying attention so keep paying attention don't let them take away your rights fight for every single inch if you are a journalist keep fighting don't let them suppress our speech we're doing that here on let your voice be heard radio but in order for us to keep doing that we need you to keep tuning in so keep tuning into us every sunday because that's the only way that we are going to keep having a free society is people like us being able to come on the air as independent journalists and for the mainstream media being able to go on the air and broadcast and tell you about all the dirty things our government is doing in our name
Absolutely. Thank you for that quickie, Alyssa, briefing us on and keeping us up to date on what's going on with freedom of the press. So speaking of freedom of the press, I think that this show really talked about freedom in its entirety. I mean, women deserve the freedom to have sex with who we want to have sex with and do what we want with our bodies and not be exploited or slut shamed. Retaliated against. Or, or a victim of revenge porn because that could end up with a fine, hopefully jail time, but we don't know how severe consequences are for that and then i mean speaking of freedom i think we all want to be free from war uh what's going on in north korea doesn't seem too promising especially because we have a president who is not competent when it comes to dealing with crisis like this and who doesn't tend to like diplomatic solutions and north koreans need some freedom too absolutely they need to be free as well so i mean freedom i think it's something that we here let your voice be heard love to propagate we talk about freedom we celebrate it here as independent journalists on watr and guys if you want to support us you can definitely donate to us on our Patreon account. That's Patreon at Be Heard Radio, where you could support more independent news outlets that talk about issues like this. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Play. And of course, we have a website. It's LYVBH.com. That is the acronym for Let Your Voice Be Heard. We hope you enjoyed hanging out with us today. We definitely enjoyed your engagement. Until next Sunday. Shit on purpose. You get mad and you break things. Feel bad, try to fix things, but you're perfect. For the past 30 years, environmentalists have attempted to change the United States' views of. Few.